Hey, Combo Nation, we are here. Combo Nation, what up, what up, what up, everyone? Welcome to episode 325 of Combo's Court, and I am Combo. Don't forget to rate, review, and punch down on that subscribe button wherever you tune in to Combo's Court. If you're listening on the Apple Podcast app, leave a five-star rating, a friendly comment, and don't forget to punch down on the follow button for the Apple Podcast app. Today's show, Pierre of House of Highlights, Bleacher Report, Through the Wire, joins in to talk Knicks basketball, the Zion Williamson setback, and more. And let's call this a Friday Night Lights edition of Combos Court. Shouts to P, shouts to the Friday Night Lights community, shouts to the Through the Wire community, and shouts to Combo Nation. We are here. Intro music by Luca Beats. Let's get into it. Luca, don't do it to him. up p through the wire friday night lights house of highlights all that good stuff oh. man what's the word man what's new um work a lot of work um whether it's through the wire whether it's just youtubing uh whether it's connecting and trying to you know use the social media stuff that we do like friday night lights um all type of stuff man going into the new year Trying to take this momentum, just sign an extension with, with Bleacher Report. Oh, congrats, uh, my bro. Congrats. Thank you. Uh, so, yeah, man. Big big stuff, man. Big stuff. Most of it's some traveling coming up, right? Yeah, I'll be near you Friday. Quick man. little business trip. Yeah, I have a – damn, it would have been great to connect. I have an event that night, too. What time are you – what time are you in Jersey? This is probably this is probably off uh, podcast talk right now, but <laughs> right, true. Um, I think I land to in Jersey like midday, like fourish, gotcha. mid fourish. Gotcha. Um, and then yeah, I'm there till the next day at the uh, at the HBCU Classic. So yeah, were you were you telling me you're about to hoop the next day? That's why you're getting back. I felt like you told me that, like you were hooping on Saturday. Oh, no, 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 no. Oh, okay, I just okay. want to come back home. I just want to oh, come back. It's just, okay. You know, I show up for the event. Once the event is gone, it's time to go back home. Nah, so, most definitely. Most definitely. We got to make an in-person pod happen. It's probably not going to happen this weekend, but next time you're in the area, we got to make that happen, man. No, for sure. For sure. And, hey, if you want to come through if you, on Saturday, if you ain't got shit to do, let me know. They asked me if I how many tickets I needed. I was like, I'm showing up alone. I'm solo dolo. This is let, work. But Let's, let's you know. talk. So you said 4 p.m.? Yeah, but the actual event is on on Saturday. Okay, let's talk. Let's talk after the pot. We'll talk after the pot about that for sure. <laughs> um, hey, you know what game was crazy? It feels like two years ago, but it was like a week ago from this recording. It was like a week ago. The Purdue Rutgers game. Oh yes, yes, yes. That was like that. That's the epitome of college basketball. hundred percent. That's what we missed last year with without having the uh, capability of having fans. And things like that. I don't even feel like any upsets happened last year because it's not an upset if the, the student section can't storm the court. 
and you know have the dramatics that was that was that was that was nice Dude, i feel like it didn't get enough attention for how crazy it was like first of all you had high-end nba talent like jay and ivy second of all ron yeah. harper went crazy mm-hmm. uh, it was a crazy upset to so the number one team in the country dude won the game on a euro step half court court shot buzzer beater <laughs> and man they purdue that was purdue's first time ever being number one they d- didn't even last the game by the way um I, I loved it because for me you have the the upset the underdog and ruggers uh you got a guy like ron harper jr who has been on mock drafts the last couple of years and now he's you know that that's a good moment to add to his resume um for the upcoming draft and some attention is now back on him but then also like you said the NBA players, Jaden Ivey, even some of his te- uh, teammates. But then Purdue as the number one team, you, you're, you're, you're beatable on any given night, but they weathered the storm. And they made the plays to win the game. But the Ruggers made, like you said, in a half-court Euro buzzer beater. Like, you just got to tip your hat. They, they took the lead. Purdue came down on the other end, executed Travion Williams, got the bucket. Uh, the the layup or whatever they took the lead back they inbounded Euro step half court shot you just tipped your hats to Ruggers but Purdue showed why I think they're going to win a national championship is because even when they go through adversity like that they were able to maintain themselves they made winning plays at the end to win the game but I mean you can't stop a half court Euro step shot that just means that Ruggers was meant to win that game and you know you go home okay with that loss knowing that you did everything to win the game versus just being beaten by an, an unranked team. It's a little different. Yeah, I feel like a lot of these bottom teams could beat the top teams because there's not as much of a discrepancy in talent. Like, they, like Rutgers got hoopers that could play on that yeah. level. Like, like McConley is tough. Mm-hmm. He, made, you know, he made some very tough shots. Yeah, I mean, he plays defense. He could play a transition. He has poise in the half court. Is, is, they, is he even on NBA radars, that kid? I haven't I haven't seen it, but I mean, on a game like that, you would have to imagine seeing a couple yeah. of turnaround uh, turnaround jump shots that were incredible in the crunch time. He he is he is an unsung hero in that too. Ryan Harper Jr. made the last two buckets, but anybody who watched the game would know the impact uh, that he had as well. Yeah, it was mad red though. I'm like, let me see if a Ron Harper Jr. is better than Dacian Nix. That's why I was. I don't know why that came to my head. That just came Where to my is head. Where's Nix? I think he's in. The G League still, if, if I'm not mistaken. Somebody, somebody picked him up. Uh, in the league? Yeah. He was in the draft. He got he went second round, right? Late. Uh-huh. Second round or, or, or signed. But, but if I'm not if I'm not mistaken, I think that team put him back in the oh, G League. Back in the I see what you mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, he, not was, with the, he was picked up by the Houston Rockets. He's a Houston Rocket. Right. They should might they might as well give him some burn. But actually they're might playing as be- well. But they're they're playing better now. They're playing a little bit better now. Yep, they are. They have been uh, with Jalen Green out. Isn't that something? Yeah, and Memphis playing better with Ja. With Ja out, yeah, it's weird. I don't know what that is. I think maybe their defense got a little bit better, but obviously they're at their best when they have Ja. Like that's like, don't think that Memphis is better than uh, what they are without Ja. You know, my 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 thing I want to ask Memphis to do now is to play this way when Ja comes back. They have certain guys who have stepped up that usually don't play that way when Ja's there. Like, for example, no shot at him, but Jaron Jackson Jr. has played quite differently without Ja being around. So if he can keep that up when Ja comes back, Memphis now has that, that, that two-headed monster that we envisioned them having. It's somewhere in between their growth 
Ja took off and it became the Ja show. But when Ja was drafted, I remember thinking, oh, man, they got Jaron Jackson Jr. They got Ja Morant. That's going to be a nice pairing. And it just became like the Ja. And, and part of that is because Jaron Jackson had dealt with injuries. And, and we had seen the Memphis Grizzlies with just Ja leading the charge. But if they can both be two all young all-star level players, Memphis is going to be good for a very long time. I mean, you who, you know how it is. Like, if you have four other good players with you, right? You're going to take mm-hmm. less shots. You're going to maybe not try and step on toes as much. You're going to, sure. but, but like if you're playing, if you're playing ball and you have nobody with you, you might just try and go off, you know, not saying no, yeah. no, nobody, not saying he has nobody with him, but his mentality probably shifted when Ja left. That's true. But I've always looked at him as a player that didn't need all of that. Yeah, that's, that's true. That's true. I, I mean, like, like he moves without the basketball, like he could move around, hit the three. That's what makes him him. Like when I saw him at a young age at Michigan State, it was like, this is a guy who could do so many things um, without having to be the central focus. He's going to cover up a lot of things on defense um, because of the rim protection that he showed at MSU. He can shoot, pick and pop, uh, you know, catch a lob. So I always looked at him as a guy that could that could be an all star level player while being like a glue guy. Like, you know, like kind of like what Evan Mobley is doing and in Cleveland, except Jaron Jackson between the lines just became like a standing three-point shooter. And I think that kind of hurt him. And that's what I love about Evan Mobley as far as the unicorn thing with the bigs, because we've had the conversation all the time. I feel like the unicorn bigs, they come in with all this potential because they can expose the mismatch, they can shoot threes, they can rim protect, they can switch on the perimeter. But somewhere between the lines of their developmental phase in the NBA, they become standstill catch and shoot threes who don't expose mismatches because all they do is sit behind the line. Uh, they barely are in the paint because they shoot all these threes, so they don't rebound as much and they move further and further away from the basket defensively and offensively. So you have a Chris Dasperzingas where you're like, man, if he put it all together, how would anybody stop him? Anthony Davis, if he put it all together, how would anybody stop him? Jaron Jackson. So I love the fact that Evan Mobley as a rookie came in and said, I can shoot threes but I'm not going to shoot six six or seven a game. I'm going to be slowly into the modern big, but still have everything that makes me me. And I think he's done a very good job of that. And if I was anybody drafting in this upcoming year's draft with a Chet, with a Jabari Smith Jr., with Apollo Banchero, I would look at how Evan Mobley is being utilized by Cleveland to make sure you get the full impact of these uh uh, what, what are we unicorn beings? Yeah. yeah. Well, the crazy thing about Jaron Jackson, he probably has the ability or the potential to shoot off the move better than all those guys. Like you he think so. Yeah. Because he could run to a spot and get it off with so much fluidity that some of those other unicorns you talked oh, about I really can't off, off the dribble off, off the move without the basketball. Okay. Okay. Yeah, for sure. He has like a, me and my friends joke. He has like a childish jump shot. It's like a kid. But it's so well, I, I don't want to. This is a crazy thing to say, but it's Steph Curry ish. Very. Yeah. Because it starts like from here. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. it has it has a lot of fluidity. Speaking of Steph, man, all time <laughs> three point leader. I mean, we knew it was going to happen. And you could always say the game is different now. That's why he's hitting all these threes. But he's the one who changed it. So there's really no debate about Steph Curry, you know? No. Yeah. And before the game was changed, he was doing this like. People, we yeah. basketball people have seen him do it at, at the Davidson level before he was ever even in the NBA, you know. Um, so that, that's just what he does. Look at his father. Look at his brother. That's what that family does. If you have that Curry 
last name, you're probably going to be able to shoot the three ball at an extremely high level. So um, this, this dude, even without the game being played this way, he would probably still have broken it because that's just what they do. Yeah, but you're right. You're right. Um, he, he's the one that changed the game. So it doesn't matter. And uh, it was good to have all three of those guys um, in the building last night. And it was crazy for me because I've seen all three of those guys throughout my life. Um, He's getting old, man. He's getting old. Very old. (laughs) Very old. I'm trying to think who was. You're older than me. So who was the guy before Reggie Miller that was like the. I mean, well, everybody used to talk about Craig Hodges and Steve Kerr, but those guys didn't have the volume. True. And they, they didn't shoot off the dribble as much as those guys. It was just, it was a totally different game, bro. I mean, look, the, the NBA line came into existence like 80 and nobody was really weaponizing it. Mm-hmm. You know, it got a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. And then Steph Curry took it to like a crazy level, you know? Yeah. Shout out to Steph, man. Shout out to Steph. I, I love, I don't know. I just something about a guy changing a game that way. Yeah. And it was out of nowhere. Sometimes you can feel somebody coming into the game like, for example, um, and this guy changed the game in his own way. But, like, when, when LeBron came in, we felt the the impact and the emergence coming from day one. He's the number one overall pick, the chosen one tattoo, the $90 million deal before yeah, he ever stepped yeah. foot. Steph Curry was, like, you know, a top ten pick. But later, a few guards went before him. Uh, Johnny Flynn and Rubio, um, you know, there was – you know, he was an older guy because, you know, at that time it was like the high school or one and done. So then he had the ankle injuries. He played for Golden State. Golden State had never been good. Uh, they had the little one, we believe, year with Baron Davis. And he came out of no, he can't kind of just came out of nowhere. And I always like that better. No disrespect to LeBron and the Kevin Durant, who we can see coming a mile away. But it's something about him changing the game kind of out of nowhere. Yeah, That's I mean, look, he he, ch- he changed the game of basketball more than those guys did. Would I say he's a better basketball player? No. Me personally, I wouldn't say so, but he definitely changed the game more than Kevin Durant and LeBron. Oh, for, for sure. For yeah. sure. And I think that I think the reason he did it is because he took something that was so innocent because anybody can do it. You go in the yeah. gym right now and at guys, they're warming up with like volleyball line threes. Yeah, they they, they think like, they they have the ability to think they could do it at least. Like exactly, they're yeah. not gonna they're not gonna pro- they they don't come in thinking like I'm about to fly from the free throw line and dunk it now, but they can shoot deep threes and think they could get to a level where they could do it like Steph. Mm-hmm. And then even your average kid, your average kid, yeah. can, can trick himself into believing he could be a three point shooter versus being a six ten forward with guard like abilities. Like Kevin Durant is something that's out of a lab. LeBron James six eight two fifty. Uh, out of this world athleticism that you can't dream to be that. But Steph Curry, he's my height. Me and your height, you're probably taller than him. Um, he's yeah. a regular guy, no 40 yeah. vertical. At least yeah. he, is, under- he, is, he is a little taller than people think, though. He is. Yeah, he's like 6'3, right? Yeah, like th- that's not short, but it's obviously small yeah. for the NBA. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. you know, a kid can dream to be 6'3 versus 6'10, 100 <laughs> 6'8, 250. So, 100%. 100%. Yeah. Um, P, I need you to put your Knicks hat on for one okay. second. Your Knicks fan hat, because I know you do such a great job on your podcast when we're on Friday Night Lights of not really putting the Knicks fan cap on. You know, you kind of mm-hmm. you keep it unbiased as you should. It's your job, bro, you know. But, I mean, you've said in the past that you think no player is untouchable on this team. I think a, many would disagree with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Julius Randle for Ben, I'm hearing. I mean, 
I'd love to hear your thoughts on that because to me, Ben is obviously the better player, but I'm not sure what that does for the Knicks, you know, future. But what are your thoughts on all of that? And what are some trades that you think would make sense for the Knicks? Um, you know, part of me being that way, it, that that is me having my my fan hat on sometimes. I'm just a different kind of fan. And I what I have to always remind myself is that like we're basketball people, me and you. Yeah. Which means it's like we we eat, sleep, drink it, and we've done this all of our lives basically. So I, we look at the game a little differently. Um, a lot of people in the Nick fan base, they have such a connection to these players because of last year's Cinderella story. Me, I don't think like that. I don't, I, you know, it was a good year, but it's over. It's done. We had, we made up the playoffs and we got bounced in the first round. It, it, it was cool, but it's it's time to move on. You know what I mean? Like yeah. we didn't win a championship. So a lot of people think these guys are untouchable or shouldn't be traded unless it's for something crazy because they really have a connection. But when you look at it at just on basketball eyes, nobody on the Knicks is, is, is doing anything crazy. You know what I mean? So Julius Randle had a very good year last year. He was an all-star. You know what I mean? He's he's a solid player. But Julius Randle isn't an, an elite-level player. I think the untouchable players are elite-level players or young players that have a chance to be elite. I don't think any of those guys on our roster are that. Emmanuel Quickly is a very good player. Don't think he has a chance to be elite. R.J. Baird, solid, has a, a, a bunch of potential. Don't think he'll ever be elite at anything. You know what I mean? Uh, so if we have the opportunities to get better go for it that's all i'm saying i'm not saying we have to put everybody on a trade block but i just find it funny that anytime the knicks are in the news and some type of report to get a player no matter what it's about if it's ben simmons damian lillard there's so many knick fans that automatically say no to anything and i just find it funny because what's your reasoning why not you know what i mean now the ben situation to answer that question um, I don't I don't know, because I, I just don't know. I would need to know and understand the plan if we were to get Ben. What would the plan be? And I also am not foolish. I don't think we have anything to give the Sixers. So I didn't really give that any any much attention. I like Ben Simmons. Would love to have him on, on my team if it was possible. But me being a basketball person, I do know that because I'm a Nick fan, we don't have anything to give the Philadelphia 76ers. If if they're going to take anything from us, they might as well just take CJ from Portland. Yeah. So yeah. Well, the uh, thing is, is it's that the Knicks' leverage would be that the Sixers aren't playing. They're they're playing with nobody right now. Like there's nobody in his spot. So that would be, it, that, but that would be everybody's leverage. Yeah. So it depends on how many teams are interested, right? Like that's really what it depends upon. Or if Daryl Morey will really just hold on to it for as long as he's saying he'll hold on to the situation. No. Yeah. Know? I mean, from all the, from everything I've seen, it's not about interest in Ben Simmons. Everybody would love to have a Ben Simmons. It's about the asking price that Daryl Morey has. He wanted CJ and a bunch of picks from the Portland Trailblazers. And Portland was like, you know, we would entertain the CJ thing, but the the three, the six picks, three picks and three pick swaps is a little outrageous. So, I, I you know, I, there's interest in Ben Simmons. I think that's a part that um, NBA Twitter and social media tried us to poke fun at to make people believe there's no interest in Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons has a, a lot of interest from teams. It's just that Daryl Morey is trying to get a James Harden-esque package. And I just don't think that's the reality. You may get a pick. But when you're talking about three first round picks and three swaps, that's six picks. I don't I just don't think teams are doing that for a guy who hasn't played in a very long time. 
Yeah, I mean, that was trying to create leverage that he really doesn't have right now or just to wait it out. What would you do? Yeah, I might do what he's doing. Yeah, I, I would hold out because you'll get fired if if you're not getting an elite player back and then everything goes awry, you're done, right? But you, but you, you may never get an elite player back. Yeah, that's true. I, that's I, true. I'm not saying selling for pennies, but to hold them hostage, would it would, it's it's such a big thing for that overall team, and they've been successful. That man, I would try. I would personally, I would try to go get a CJ McCollum. Yeah, I always thought Ben would end up in Portland. Like I had D Mills on the pod. I think we talked about that even. You know, like I I thought he would end up in Portland. We'll see what happens. You know who I would like to see on the Sixers? Who? Tyrese Halliburton. Tyrese Halliburton. That was a discussion, but the Kings said that they weren't going to give up De'Aaron Fox to Tyrese Halliburton. That was months ago. Maybe they feel different because they're not as good as they thought. Um, I think he's the connective piece that could help them. Obviously, he's not Ben Simmons, but mm-hmm. he does bring some of that on the offensive side, just connecting everybody together, you know? Yeah. What about De'Aaron Fox? Well, I mean, that makes sense if you give up Maxi. I kind of like Maxi there. You know, like if you swap Maxi for De'Aaron, but for both of them to be there, I mean, I don't know. It's kind of going – that's going to be like – Maxi could come off the bench. He'll be fine. I don't. Maxi isn't a surefire starting point guard. He, he'd that, be fine if he came off. The but bench. Th- then it's like the King situation. You got Curry, you got Maxi, and you got Fox that you all want to give a lot of minutes to. Just bring right? Maxi off the bench. Yeah, that could be true. That could be true. You just are bring, starting. Yeah, you just bring Max off, Maxi off the bench. Yeah, they don't have a lot of depth in Philadelphia. You know, so just bring Maxi off the bench. Ma- Maxi going from thirty-two minutes to twenty-seven won't kill him, especially if you're adding De'Aaron Fox. And I think that'll put him in a better situation because, like I said, Tyrese Maxi has been good because it's a it's a open void there. There's nothing to compare him to. Ben Simmons is literally not playing, <laughs> but if Ben Simmons came back right now, Tyrese Maxi is going his ass to the bench. Yeah, both clutch clients actually. So you know, Ben not playing has actually helped Tyrese. So they're, they're winning when they lose. <laughs> so now they can sign two backs deals next time instead of one. Boom. <laughs> we talked about AD on Twitter spaces, you know, a long time ago. And I was talking to you about how I just felt AD was out of shape and he didn't come yeah. into the season in shape. And now I feel like I hear it everywhere. Like AD's not the same. I know I heard you talk about how the idea of AD is actually better than AD, the player. Mm-hmm. Um, what are your thoughts on his play this season? I've, do you think also a Westbrook trade is bound to happen? I think it's very hard to trade Russell Westbrook. So I'm going to say not bound to happen. If it, if it was the Lakers universe, it would be bound to happen. But when I look across the league and I see $44 million this year, $47 next year on a player option, which he's going to opt into, I, I kind of ask myself, who the hell is taking that in the middle of a season? Off season, different story. You know, different story, different scenarios, different reasons. But in the middle of a season where everybody looks to have somewhat of a chance because of the play in, who's making that trade? Um, Now, as far as Anthony Davis, yeah, me and you had that conversation a year ago. And I think my argument against that was I just didn't think he was out of shape. But no, not out of shape, but he's not doing everything he could do to be the best player possible, in my opinion, even though I'm not with him every day. And so that, I can't. That, that, that's my same sentiment. And that was the same. I had the same type of concourse with Mike from the podcast because he's like he's a Laker fan. And I just don't like the excuses for Anthony Davis. 
I don't care about because uh, Mike had a laundry list. Well, that's not an, that, that's not an excuse. That's just me saying he's not doing everything he can. Like Mike, just... Mike said the same as you about the in shape thing, but he had the excuses paired with it about injuries, a playoff run, and different things like that. And my thing was just the fact that I think personally, because like you said, I'm not around Anthony Davis. I think Anthony Davis has an extreme amount of talent. Of course, but I think he has fallen into the LeBron James syndrome where I think a lot of players, they play with LeBron James, and LeBron, over the course of his career, has had an on and off switch that he can turn on anytime. And players that he plays with sometimes think that they can do the same thing, and they can't. And I think Anthony Davis has fallen victim to that. Oh, we're just going to coast through the season. That's what LeBron, we're going to coast through the season. When we get to the playoffs, we're going to turn it up and I'll be ready. But as we saw last season, Anthony Davis, you're not capable of doing that. So what you should do is you should prepare in the offseason, during the season, whatever you got to do to always be the best version of yourself because he really should be in conversation with Giannis. Right now, 100%. LeBron and KD should be in conversations, but we should be looking at them exiting uh, rather sooner than later. And the two guys that should be under them emerging in a battle of who's the best for when those guys do leave or uh, fall down somewhat, even though these, these guys seem to be getting better. Uh, yeah, it should crazy. be Anthony Davis and Giannis versus who's the young kings of the game. But it's just it's just Giannis by himself. And I, honestly speaking, you got other guys that are coming in that people are quickly trying to crown. You know what I mean? Another year or two, who's to say where Luka will be? Trey Young, all these different guys are coming. Anthony Davis is kind of getting lost in the shuffle. So, yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know. It, it's 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 very frustrating to watch. But he's got it. He's, he's got to get it together. But I do think it comes from playing and being around LeBron James because listen the Pelicans Anthony Davis was a different guy we would see 37 points 16 rebounds three blocks you know some posters MVP conversation uh throughout a, a 15 game stretch with the Lakers we haven't really gotten it we get yeah. it like every sprinkled in it's like he'll do it once or twice this I'm, month I'm, yeah I'm telling so, you, P, but it, it's it's the compound effect of over time not doing everything you have to do to be the best player possible. And here's another thing. That's his business. Like, if his work-life balance is different than LeBron's or some of the other guys that are totally obsessive, that's up to him. You know, I'm not, I'm not mad at him. I'm just telling you, like, what I see from watching him play. I mean, he's just not moving the same. And when he comes back from offseason, he just looks like he's playing his – he's going to play his way into shape. And Luka does the same thing, and Harden does the same thing. You know, like you could just see it. Yeah, I, I I feel like I didn't really see that from Anthony Davis until he became a Laker. And that's why I say it's, it's the LeBron James syndrome, which I don't blame LeBron because LeBron has shown that he's been able to do it. Um, where he just takes his time, you know, throughout the regular season and he gears yeah. it up for the playoffs. And it really does look like that Anthony Davis is trying to impl- implicate the same thing in his game, but it just doesn't work. And. Yeah. You know, st- statistically, Anthony Davis is having a good season. But again, people who are knowing what he's capable of, we know that the, the real Anthony Davis should be really unstoppable. And LeBron should be able to miss five games without them falling below 500. You know, yeah. um, and that's another thing outside of the Lakers. The Lakers X factor right now is Rob Palenka, because I can we can sit up here and talk a, a lot about Anthony Davis and what he's not doing. But that team is is poorly constructed. So you don't think you don't think there's any way. Yeah, I mean, I think we've all been saying this from before the season, right? I mean, even Lakers fans were like worried about Russ's fit. 
But do you think there's any way it could work the way it's currently constructed if everything goes perfectly? No, it's, it's hard to go perfect with the roster that they have. You know, like, like I said, we're going to hold Anthony Davis accountable. I think the idea of Anthony Davis, people are glued to versus what we've actually seen from him. Yeah. Um, but he still can be a great player on any given night. Same thing with LeBron and Russell. But I think when you look at some of the, the, the pieces that they have, and for a lot, a lot of the early season, I blame Frank Vogel and his, his lineups of different things. But then when you watch and watch and watch, he doesn't have too many options in his toolbox. I've seen lineups out there where it was Russell Westbrook, Rajon Rondo, and uh, DeAndre Jordan on the floor together. That should never be a situation or something that's happening. I've seen Dwight Howard, Rondo, Russell, uh, Kent Bazemore on the floor together. Yeah. And what world do you plan to have success if Kent Bazemore is your best perimeter shooter? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, and Frank Vogel has always been a great defensive coach, and he just don't have those defensive weapons that he once had. Like, he lost KCP a while back. He lost Caruso. They're older. A lot older. Yeah. yeah. And you're probably going to have to, if you want to save your season and make some type of shakeup, THT is probably going to have to go. Yeah. If you want to go win now mode, for sure. For he's sure. The only, he's you, the only expandable asset that they have. Do you, you see know? a trade for them that makes sense out there that either people I would are talking about interest, or, or even them, what interest. you think? Yeah. And uh, Jeremy Grant, if there was some possible yeah. way that they would want Jeremy, that they could get Jeremy Grant and Detroit would want uh, THT or something like that, that would be a, a massive uh, upgrade to their, their uh, roster. But, I mean, it's just not, it's not much out there. I saw that they were, they, they were linked to Ben Simmons. How the hell do they plan on getting Ben Simmons? Who, for Russ? The Sixers would have to would take Russ. Yeah, the Sixers would have to take Russ. That would make them better, the Lakers. Who? The Lakers. Oh, yeah, for sure. Oh, by the way, talking about the Sixers, I heard them link to Jeremy Grant as well. He could go, he could go back. <laughs> yeah. Process. <laughs> I, I, like, I like this Jeremy Grant versus the one that was in Philadelphia. Yeah. One thing about Jeremy Grant is to realize how athletic he is, you have to watch him in person. Like, he is a crazy athlete. He is. A yeah. crazy athlete. like, And that, that's always been his thing. That's why I love his game so much, because he came from Syracuse athletic to yeah. the process Sixers athletic. Denver, I mean, uh, OKC, he was athletic, but he, he started to spot up more because you're playing with Russell Westbrook. He's going to penetrate, make defense collapse. You're going to have outside opportunities, improved as a three-point shooter. Uh, Denver, he, he improved as a defender, played very great defense in that bubble run that they had. And then he goes to Detroit. And he kind of puts it all together, plays defense, still athletic, uh, catch and shooting it. And then also the the part, the, the last part he added to his game when he was in Detroit was handling the ball and creating for himself and, and being a go-to guy. Yeah. Not that he's a number one option for a team, but for Detroit he was. Um, and he's yeah. literally gotten better every single year and added something to his game. So I've spent, it was uh, this summer, I spent the whole like four hours watching from Syracuse, there was some process um, highlights that you could find on YouTube when he played for the Sixers. I watched his uh, OKC highlights. I watched his Denver highlight, and I really saw the progression of Jeremy Grant. And it was very interesting. I just love to see players at the pro level improve year by year and year in different facets of the game. Because usually it's, it's, it's very short and sweet. 
guys yeah. are just trying to be three and D players. They're working on their perimeter shooting and they're trying to guard. But he they want really, they want they want longevity in the league, you know. Yeah. So he kept going though. He kept saying, "I'm not going to put any limits," and that's what I love. He was an article came out when he went to Detroit and he spoke on why, and it was it was to you know uh, put yeah. a, a new challenge on himself to see if he can expand his game, and he did, man. He really did. He yeah, that was like Jeremy Grant was definitely like last season, like a, a trendy Twitter topic, like Jeremy Grant leap. You know, everybody was yeah. talking about it. All star conversation. Yeah, most improved player if Jer- if Julius Randle doesn't do what he did. Yeah, yeah, he's no. going to be the hot name of the trade deadline, in my opinion. Who, Besides Jeremy? potential CJ McCollum, Damian Lillard, Portland, or Ben Simmons, like I think Jeremy Grant would be a nice team that could take any of the top teams to favorites him or like a mouse mouse uh mouse turner or yeah one of those guys from uh indiana miles turner for the warriors makes sense i think i mean man does it make sense cherry on top yeah yeah definitely champion favorites <laughs> all right last thing before we get out of here man um unfortunately i don't want to end on something unfortunate but unfortunately uh zion his foot had a I don't know what would you say he's he's regressed in his setback. Yeah, there's been a setback in his uh, recovery process, and you know I always talk about how I project things and I talk about things in the future. But there were a lot of like former NBA players. I don't remember who they were. We're talking about like his weight is going to be an issue in the long run. His weight is going to be an issue in the long run. I didn't really feel that way at the time. Uh, I wasn't talk. I wasn't one of those guys that was talking about Zion Williamson all the time either. When I was like covering the draft, I was talking more about Ja, but. At, at the moment, it seems like some of these guys could unfortunately be right about the weight issues and potential mm-hmm. injuries. I mean, do you think he could turn this thing around? And he's so young, he obviously can, and I think he could still be a great player. But what do you feel about this setback and just the Pelicans in general? I was like you, Convo. Uh, I thought that the weight stuff in the pre-draft and all that, I thought it was bullshit. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. a young teenage kid, never probably had a real chef diet or nutritionist. He's going right. to go to the NBA. This is a billion-dollar company. His billion-dollar owner and, and team and staff, they're going to put their proper things in. He's going to be watched. He's going. To, you see it all the time. But, of course, of course, New Orleans somehow is allowing this guy to be – you know, things when, – when people aren't in the NBA and it's lifestyle things that isn't like jail and violence, I ignore because you're a kid. I put myself I'm, I put myself in the shoes of 18-year-old, 17-year-old Pierre. If I was a top recruit at Duke or any college I would have wanted to go to, I probably would have some of those same, you would have to question my diet because I'm a 17-year-old. You know what I mean? But when I got to the NBA and I have a chef living with me, cooking for me 24-7, I have a nutritionist that's doing all this stuff for me. Oh, no worries. We're going to get on par. So I just, I, I never thought that this would be an issue because I'm like, he's a, he's a kid, but he's going to become a millionaire and have all of these tools around him. And somehow, I, I don't know who to blame. I, you know, obviously, it's his life. So he's part of the blame. That's why, to me, this isn't unfortunate. Because I, I've heard things that um, he skipped out on rehab assignments. Um, that, that came out recently. We talked about it on our podcast yesterday. He's wow. falling asleep in uh, film sessions. So when I hear things like that. Well, that comes from, that, that comes from eating a lot. Yeah, the items. <laughs> if it's true, because like yeah, you say, I, we we don't live. We don't we know. With them every yeah, we, yeah, exactly. Like yeah, all this stuff is we're not with them every day. Like whatever's reported, we'll go with because we have to talk exactly. basketball. We're on a podcast. Yeah. So <laughs> if it's true, 
to me is not unfortunate. I've had an injury that was significant. You've had an injury that was significant. Oof. We know rehab is a self thing. Yeah, you're only hurting yourself if you're skipping out on rehab. So if I don't go to rehab and I re-injure my ankle and it turns into an Achilles injury, that's not unfortunate. That's my fault because I didn't do what I needed to do, especially when you're in Zion's position. When I went to rehab combo, it was just for myself. He's going, he's being paid to go rehab. You know what I mean? So, I, you know, I don't know, but it, 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 is, a, it is an issue. Um, and it's crazy that it, it's an issue because to me, it's just like, I don't know, man. I, you have all of this money between him and the organization. How hard is it to, to monitor this young man? And I have to start thinking about him too. Does he want to make these changes? Does he see the problem? Um, and what, what's the real thing? Cause the Pelicans are a mess. So it's just, it's, it's, it's just a domino. It goes into so many things. This could be a, a, a podcast topic in itself because now it's like, man, you had, you know, you have to make decisions. So do you still want to invest and build around Zion or do you pivot for the time being and say, man, we got to start maybe thinking about Brandon Ingram. Yeah. Brandon Ingram, my guy, he's at least he's here. You know what I mean? And then you have the rumblings of Zion. His family was frustrated over the summer. How the hell are you frustrated? And you're the one who can't even go to rehab. And then I think, is this a play because he's frustrated? Is he going to be disruptive and like, well, that, I, that, you know, that, just, I mean, that would be self-destructive. I hope that's not the case. That'd be crazy. True. Yeah, yeah. it would be. So it's just like, what are we doing? Is it, and doesn't he have to get extended? Isn't his rookie deal? Like, I, yo, yeah, he's, yeah. Don't, <laughs> hey, at least get in shape for, for like, you know, right now for yourself. You know what I mean? Right now. Yeah, it's right terrible now. for the fan base, man. It's terrible for the fan base because what they're doing is they're spoon feeding us the news that he's basically not going to play this year. Well, Even well, they did. A, they, I think they also said because of that, that he'll be ready for the first game. If I'm not mistaken, I don't remember the report, but they definitely wanted to sell those season tickets. It was part of it. No, you're absolutely right. That make that makes all, they're not going to announce. People are going to have to read the writings on the wall to see that he's not playing. It's going to be like game 59 and they're going to be like, he, he could still be four to six weeks, but they're going to take it slow. Nobody knew Nobody knew he had surgery for a while. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> because, I, and, and that would make sense. I, if I was the Pelicans, it, I probably would have kept that on a wrap too. Because, you know, as soon as anything like that comes out, people are going to say, well, look, it's the diet. It was going on. You know what I mean? Look, we told you guys. So, I don't know. I just feel like as soon as uh, Griffin came, the guy with the Pelicans, it's been downhill, man. It's been downhill. David yep. Griffin. You know what's uphill though? What? Friday night lights, man. We're we're Friday heated, man. Lights. I was about to curse. I was like, I don't want to, you know, like <laughs> Yo, Friday please. night lights, man. The people, the people love Friday night lights. Most definitely. I had Reese was uh tweeting us, yo, where's Friday night lights? Maybe we'll drop this on a Friday because I know you're traveling. Maybe we'll make yeah. this the combos court Friday night lights, you know? Yeah, we should, man. We should. The people deserve it. Um, it's you know, Friday night lights is beautiful, but I don't the, the people should know when we don't do it, it's for good reasons. That just means me and you are working. So that means the Friday night lights that we do is working. We're networking. People want to, you know, have us in different places and situations. So if we're not doing it, it ain't because I'm just sitting laying down on my back. No shot. Not at all. Hey, and also, I mean, me and Pete talk every Friday. So if we have the time to do it, we're going to get it done. If not, it. it's and probably going to. Sometimes gonna... you've done it while you've been on the move. 
I hit you when I was in Miami once. Yo, I'm, yo, Fridays, man, we're here. Yeah, you done it. <laughs> like, I've yeah. done it while I was driving. Yeah, we we definitely we got to say um we got to word it differently. We can't say every Friday. We got to say almost every Friday or Fridays. We can make it happen, but in a cool way. I don't know. We'll figure yeah. it out though. We'll, we'll figure, figure it out. Yeah. But you know, we got one day. Whenever it permits itself, we're gonna do a Friday night lights in person. Most we're gonna hit him. We're gonna hit him in the head. We're not even gonna announce it. No, no Twitter, eight me and combo, just link, no Instagram, just like boom. Most definitely. Now that'd be great. In studio, come on, yeah. man. Nothing they, better. They they go crazy. Nothing better. P, thank you so much for taking the time. You know you're always welcome back on the show. Where can we find you? Social media, tell them. Talk to Pee-wee the, the plug, man. Pee-wee the plug. Uh, if you type in Pee Wee the plug on any platform and anybody else pops up, it should be a problem. But you should see me first. I should be in every social media engine. I should be the first one that pops up. Pee Wee the plug, Twitter, uh, Instagram, uh, YouTube. Make sure you get to that YouTube. Uh, but yeah, and sometimes Friday Night Lights with Combo on Twitter. Hit that YouTube, man. Hit that YouTube. Subscribe. P, we out. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Combos Court. Big shouts to P for joining in. Shouts to the Through the Wire community. Shouts to the Friday Night Lights community. And shouts to Combo Nation. Appreciate you all. If you listen to this episode in its entirety, share it, share it, share it, share it with a friend, share it on social media, Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook. Share it on your IG stories and tag me on Instagram at 12combo. That's O N E. T-W-O-C-O-M-B-O. Be on the lookout for episode three, two, six. Combo out.